Welcome to City of God, a podcast of the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Dr. Owen Strand, and I'll be your host. Join us each week as we engage the city of man with the biblical wisdom of the city of God. Welcome to City of God. Today on the podcast, can you change your age, or is your age something that is fixed? In recent days, a terrible story that broke out and made some significant headlines told a story of a man who was found with pornography and specifically child pornography on his computer by authorities. How thankful should we be for a world in which God has given us law and lawful authorities? This man, who was 45 years old, presented in court the case that he is actually an eight-year-old girl. So I want to recap this very quickly in case I've already lost you. A 45-year-old man, very clearly a 45-year-old man, presented himself in court as an 8-year-old girl in an attempt to get off the hook from charges for child pornography. In other words, I suppose the man's argument is that if he can present himself as a child, the fact that he has pornographic images of children somehow allows for him to possess sexualized images. Now, in one sense, of course, those who are listening attentively will know that this is a bizarre defense. This is flatly ridiculous for a 45-year-old man to say that he has the identity of an 8-year-old girl. This makes absolutely no sense. It does not accord with logic. Christians have a tremendous stake in logic. It must be said, it is not that our faith is itself logic or something like this. We have not trusted in naked reason uh, and, and been saved by that or something like this. And yet, our God is the God of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, it's a definite article in John 14, 6, and the life. And so we recognize that we have a major, major stake in truth, not like a 98.7% stake in the truth. We have a 100% stake in the truth, and that truth is found, of course, in the Word of God, but any, any place we are seeing something that is true in this world, we are seeing truth that can only have ultimately come from God. In other words, there is truth in the Word of God, and thankfully, there is the witness of truth, not in a perfect and fulsome way as we wish it was, but there is nonetheless the witness of truth in our world. This is one such instance that shows us the importance of truth and the importance of reality, if you will. That's a rather basic statement, isn't it? You might think, am I getting my money's worth now in the early 2020 podcast of City of God from Midwestern Seminary? I hope you are. Actually, the podcast is free, so uh, we'll let that detail pass. And yet we just need to know that reality matters tremendously. The way things are matters tremendously today. Reality is shaking at its foundations in our time. We are in a situation where people really do think that their identity is completely malleable. And that is what this court case in, uh, in this case shows us. It shows us that people really do think that God has not created their identity, their identity is not fixed, but in Michigan, this 45-year-old man is making the case that though he has, again, the body and the presentation and the birth certificate of a 45-year-old man, he's an eight-year-old girl. This is one of those instances, friends, that I would encourage you to latch on to, and I would encourage you to reference in evangelism and apologetics as opportunity arises especially when people question the Christian claim 
that God has made us a man or a woman for his glory, that God has fixed reality, that God is true and every man is a liar, these kind of things. You must understand today, as I have talked about in my book, Reenchanting Humanity, you must understand that we are not merely in a fractured public square where people have slightly different views. Please understand that the major contest in the West today is between Christianity and neo-paganism. The contest, in other words, is between what you could call a Christian view of the world, or if we're not dealing with born-again believers, at least a traditional vision of the world and of the sexes and of human identity versus a pagan one, a pagan worldview being one in which there is no major creator, there are no major distinctions, therefore, between a creator and creatures. There, There are no duties, therefore, that men or women or fathers or mothers have to others. In a pagan worldview, you're dealing with really a divinized order where we are our own gods or our own little gods, and we may do whatever we want, and that very much includes our sexual identity and our sexual instincts. There is no moral code grounded in God himself that norms our days. Instead, we may do whatever we want. I have made this case uh, in page after page in this book, Reenchanting Humanity. Others have seen this before me. Peter Jones is the theologian who most uh, probes uh, the the neo-pagan nature of our world, of our contemporary culture, and I encourage you to to read his books and his material formerly taught at Westminster West. Peter Jones, fantastic theologian, very much encourage you to check out his writings. I'm trying to to carry that fire forward and say, look, friends, we are not simply up against what is called the sexual revolution. We're up against a broader worldview. It's worse than we think, in other words. It's not just just the left versus the right. Again, it's traditionalism versus neo-paganism, or if you really want to go all the way up to the top, it is the Christian worldview in some form versus the neo-pagan worldview. What this case shows us in honestly a tragic but very helpful way, is that identity is not subject to editing by human people. Said more simply, our identity is fixed. It is given us by God. We cannot change it at a whim. A man cannot say he is a woman, and it is so. A woman cannot say she is a man, and it is so. An adult cannot make themselves a child. A child cannot make themselves an adult. I cannot make myself president just because I say I am. I cannot decide to start driving on the left side of the road against traffic just because I feel like I should be able to do that. If I want to commit a terrible and violent crime, again, my feelings driving me to do that, finding my identity in some form in doing so, I should not do that. That is not right. A different way of approaching this whole conversation is to say, Don't follow your heart. Don't trust your desires. We are shot through with sin as a result of Adam's real historical fall. We are not okay, naturally. We need to be born again. We need to be redeemed. We need to have a new heart, a new mind, new affections. We need God to transform us. Christianity is not in the business of simply giving people get-out-of-jail-free cards in in an eternal sense and then walking away. Christianity is not fundamentally a, a religion, a theology, better term, of affirmation. 
Christianity is a theology of transformation. And a crucial part of that transformation is that we die to sin. And therefore, to bring this all together, we die to those parts of ourselves that are straying from God, and we return to the God-given identity that we have. Said even more strongly, according to the covenantal flow of Scripture, when we are born again, we are, in a sense, restored to the design of God, but we are now, let's say, men and women in a new covenantal sense. And so we are not simply returning, that is, to, to the creation. We're members of the new creation. We're, we're what God intended us to be, what was intended all along, that, that we would be those who are members of the new covenant and who are men and women, not in an old covenant sense, but in a new covenant sense through the blood of Jesus Christ, headed ultimately to the new Jerusalem where, where we will live forever with the Lord Jesus Christ and glorify him forever in what Jonathan Edwards called a world of love. But all this means that we have to reject a cultural understanding of identity that sees it as self-chosen and feelings-driven. Friends, if I could encourage you to see this, I would wager that this is very nearly the issue of the age. In other words, we really do find ourselves in a culture where people think that they can choose and edit their identity. And Christianity says the opposite. It's not that there is no growth and maturity and development in our lives. There surely is as believers. Let that be said. But it is the case that God has made us a certain way for his glory, and we are not so much called to create who we want to be, and we are not so much called to surf the wave of our feelings wherever they lead us. We are called to conform to the Word of God and its teaching and to the restorative and transformative power of the gospel of Jesus Christ grounded in the saving death and the life-giving resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. For all these reasons, then, when someone around us says what this man in Michigan said in court not long ago, an actual argument, note this, made in a court of law, when they say, I am a 40-year-old man, but I'm actually an 8-year-old girl. Part of gospel witness in 2020 is telling the full truth about this. Yes, it is absolutely sharing the news of the cross and empty tomb of Jesus Christ. That, that is the heart of the gospel. Do not misunderstand. But part of what we are doing in calling someone to repentance is calling them to repent of this neo-pagan sense of identity where your identity is not God-created, but is self-created. There are certain moments in our cultural life, in our societal living out, where we are going to have uh, flashpoints that allow us to probe the lies of the age and frankly expose them. And this is one of them. Because if a, if a man can simply say that he is a girl, then we need to recognize that all the locks are off the doors. And we need to see that there is no protection, for example, of children in this kind of society. And it is time, it is time for Christians and those who agree with us in a basic sense, though they may not be born again, but it is time for us to stand. It is time for us to say that these things are true, these things from God are true, and every man is, is a liar. And it is time to do what I am so thankful that this judge did, 
He sentenced in Michigan, Kent County judge, he sentenced this man, Joseph Gobrick, who's the offender, to between 10 and 20 years behind bars. This man who had numerous images of child pornography on his computer, and it's not simply holding the images on the computer, of course, right? In order to have the images, someone has to be committing the most reprehensible abuse of children you can imagine, right? So this judge stood for the truth. Friends, you may not be a, a judge, you may not be a lawyer, you may not be a politician. Please hear me very clearly. It does not matter. You have a voice, you should exercise it. You should speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4, 5. We are different from those who merely rage against cultural change, aren't we? We are speaking as Christians. We ultimately have a redemptive motive in all our cultural and public witness, and yet we have to call a spade a spade. We have to stand against evil. We have to be like John the Baptist in Matthew 14, 1 through 12, who called sexual sin sin and did so in public. Friends, now is a time for choosing, and now is a time for standing. Thanks for listening to City of God, a podcast at the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We're so thankful you stopped by. We encourage you to continue to join the conversation at cpt.mbts.edu, the official website of the center. And we encourage you to follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Join us in coming days as we continue the conversation on what it means to be the city of God in the city of man.